0: Right, we are continuing our series looking at some of the words of Jesus. And today we're in John 10. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn to John 10, verse 22. And uh, if you don't, don't worry, the words will be on the screen for you. Okay, so John 10, verse 22. Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe me. Because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Excellent. Who likes celebrations? Who likes feasts? Who likes feasts? Who likes celebrating with food? Excellent. I can see a few hands. That's good. That's good news. Me too. Uh, Jesus, um, John here, records that uh, these words of Jesus uh, are spoken at the Feast of Dedication, at the Festival of Dedication. And this was an important feast within the Jewish calendar, Uh, it's it's also known as the uh, Hanukkah as well, uh, celebrated by uh, Jews today, Um, and they remember an important event that happened in their history, now who was on Word Word Plus a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday, Uh, was anyone at Word Plus, yeah, okay, a few people, okay, you'll know all this, so uh, this will be old hat to you in terms of the Feast of Dedication. But I'm just going to run through what exactly it was, um, just for us to kind of understand, really. Um, and you Word Plus, you're just saying, oh, yeah, I know this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you fell asleep at this point. Um, but anyway, in 175 BC, the Syrian emperor uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, See, I learned that name for word plus, so I can impress you like I know what I'm saying, but, you know. Uh, The Syrian emperor, Antiochus Epiphanes, invaded Judea. And uh, he determined that he would set out to destroy the Jewish religion and replace it with Greek thought, with Greek culture, with pagan gods. And he did some devastating things to the Jews. He erected statues of pagan gods in the temple in Jerusalem he had a statue of Zeus that he put up in the temple he introduced um, a brothel in part of the temple there was temple prostitution within the temple and he even sacrificed a pig on the altar and the blood of the pig, it says, uh, dripped down the altar, so they say and he he defiled the temple by what he did and the actions he took And uh, there was this massive revolt by the Jews Uh, Eventually uh, a guy called Judas Maccabeus uh, He kind of rose up as a kind of Braveheart type figure And he successfully captured captured Jerusalem, captured the surrounding area And uh, regained the temple for the Jews And in 164 BC he rededicated the temple to Israel's God And there was a real celebration of victory, a real celebration of freedom, that they were free to worship again. And it became an annual thing. They celebrated it annually for eight days. And uh, Judas Maccabeus kind of became this very much hero figure, this Messiah figure. See, why do you need to know that? You might be thinking, I don't need to know all that. Why do I need to know all that? Well, actually, it's really helpful because it sets the background to the Jews' question to Jesus. Are you the Christ? Tell us plainly. Are you the Messiah? You see, in their minds, they were expecting um, a Messiah to free them from Roman rule. A a kind of national political figure like Judas Maccabeus you know, they had their ideas of the type of person they wanted. It's interesting, isn't it? We can often have ideas of what we want Jesus to be like, don't we? You know, we want him to fit with our outlook of life. If he, if he fits with what I'm looking for, then, then I'll accept him. If he makes me comfortable, then yeah, okay, I'll go along with Jesus. If... If, uh, if he turns a blind eye to, to my sin and says, all right, it's all right, don't worry. <coughs> yeah, okay, I'll accept him. You know, if he makes me a better person, okay, that's the type of Messiah I'm looking for. See, that's not how it works with Jesus. That's not how it works. See, we have to accept him, believe him, come to him. And actually our thinking then is changed and falls in line with who he is. And shaped by him. So the Jews are saying, just be clear with us. Just tell us. Are you the Messiah? Jesus says, I have told you. And you haven't believed my words. You haven't believed my actions. See, John records this. Um, he's already recorded that Jesus has turned water into wine. He's healed a paralyzed man. He's fed 5,000 people with a few loaves and fishes. He's healed a man that was born blind. He's already said to them, we find earlier on in John, he's already said to them, Do you know, before Abraham, I am. The very words God used to reveal himself to Moses in the Old Testament. You know, Moses said, Who, sh- who should I send? Who shall I say sends me? Who shall, send us? Who shall I say is sending me? God says, I am that I am. Say this to the people, I am has sent you. And Jesus is lining himself up with God. He's saying he sends them, you know, in me you're encountering God. But they haven't believed him. The Jews haven't believed Jesus. They've missed him. But John has also, he has recorded some people who have received Jesus and people who have believed Jesus. Are these the intelligent ones? Are they the the morally upright ones? Are they the particularly religious ones? Are they the ones that are doing their best to honour God? No. Who does he say? He says there's a Samaritan woman at a well who's had five husbands and the one she's with isn't a husband either. And a man who's blind, been blind all his life. And everyone around him says, well, he's blind because, well, obviously he sinned or his mum sinned, one of them. And Jesus totally changes it. And it's these people that receive Jesus. Okay, so back to today's passage. Jesus uses this picture of himself as a shepherd and his followers as his sheep. He says to the Jewish um, leaders that come to him, why would you believe? You're not part of my flock. So the Jews say, what? Well, hang on, we do, we don't, they'll be thinking this. We don't need to be. We, don't, we are the people of God. We were born into the people of God. Um, we, we're the ones that keep the religious rules. We're the ones that do the right rituals. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Now, to be in the people of God means how you respond to me, is what Jesus is saying. How you respond to me. What do you make of me? It's about knowing me. It's about me being the shepherd and my followers being the sheep. So, that was quite a long introduction, wasn't it? But we'll get to my uh, three points this morning, which are, I want to look at Jesus' words and I've really kind of entitled these three points, The Privileges of Knowing Him. So I've got three points this morning. The Privileges of Knowing Jesus. Jesus says, My sheep, listen to my voice. We hear his voice. See, it's one of the amazing privileges of the Christian life, this living relationship with Jesus See, it's not living in the sense that, you know, his memory lives on. A bit like, you know, someone, some famous musician dies, some famous writer dies. Or their memory lives on in their music. Their memory lives on in their writings. It's not living in that sense. Jesus has beaten death. Jesus is alive today. That's what we've been celebrating as we worship. See, Jesus says this in John 14. He says, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's a passage about his promise to send the Holy Spirit to be with his followers so that they might know Jesus in their lives every day. So it was, um, they might know his presence with them. I think, was it Vicky, Vicky Gilpin this morning brought that, that word about God's presence with us and like a flame. And, uh, you know, we sing, don't we, fire fall down... You know, you might be thinking, why are they singing Fire Fall Down? You know, the poor dining hall is going to get burnt up. Um, You know, it's biblical imagery that we want God's presence, the the Holy Spirit. We want him to come. We want him to fall down. We want him to be present among us. He uh, uh, brings a fresh Jesus to us. And we know that in our lives, the Holy Spirit's with us. And he afresh reminds us of Jesus. He brings the presence of Christ in our lives. And we can hear his voice. See, it means no longer that, do you know, to encounter God, you must go to this place on this day and do this thing. Rather, because of the Spirit in Christ, we encounter God. Isn't that amazing? We hear his voice. See, perhaps there was a time in your life where you just thought, do you know, the idea of knowing Jesus, the idea of hearing his voice, that just sounds like nonsense. That sounds like absolute nonsense to me. And now you know, do you know, I hear his voice in my life. I hear him speaking to me. See, um, okay, here's a helpful illustration. My dad, when I was young, my dad spent quite a bit of time travelling uh, and he was um, often away during the week maybe he was out of the country sometimes uh, maybe he was in this country just somewhere else and uh, he would often he would often ring home like a good dad he would uh, he'd speak to us and as kids we would often get to the phone first do you find that kids often get to the phone first it's rather embarrassing isn't it when the uh, your kids get to the phone and pick up some important business uh, call or something like that. But they do, they rush to the phone, get it first. Something must happen, I think, when they get to a certain age and they just can't be bothered anymore. Uh, <laughs> There's teenagers, kind of my eyes are veering over here to, to where a lot of our, our younger people are, who are just like, oh, did, did you not get the phone? No? That's <laughs> what happens. They love getting the phone normally. But something must happen when you get to a certain age, I can't be bothered anymore. Um, anyway I would often run to the phone to get the phone I'd pick up the phone and uh, as soon as I heard my dad say hello I knew it was him I knew it was my dad I knew I I recognised my dad's voice I knew it listen if you're a Christian here this morning he's called you you heard his voice and you now listen to his voice. What an amazing privilege. As you read the Bible, you hear his voice. As you pray, there's a sense of, do you know I am not just, these are words into, into thin air. I'm hearing him speak to me as I talk with him. In worship, perhaps this, this morning in worship, as we worship together, do you know, I'm hearing Jesus speaking to me. Maybe even, you know, we believe that as people brought contributions this morning, actually we hear the voice of God together through contributions, through, through people bringing different spiritual gifts. In your daily life, do you know, just when I'm out and about, I hear his voice. It's the privilege of knowing him. See, my prayer this morning, as I was praying about this morning, wasn't, you know, hope, you know, I hope everyone... Thinks my message is good. I hope everyone thinks my three points are good. <laughs> I hope I come across really well. That wasn't what I was praying. It was this I pray that people hear his voice. I pray that people hear Jesus this morning. I pray that people who, who know Jesus, I pray people who uh, 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 Christians, hear his voice. Hey, I, I pray that people perhaps who don't know Jesus, I pray, oh, I want them to hear his voice this morning. That was my prayer, and then he also says this in the passage: "I know them. I know them." We love to name drop, don't we, as a society? We like to we like a bit of name dropping. You know, we say things like, "Oh, as I, as I was saying to whoever last week, as I was talking to the local MP last week, or something like that," as I was. As I was, I, I don't know, who, who's, who, would you, who would you like to say, who would you name drop nowadays to be cool? Uh, Simon. Simon, no, not Simon. Yeah, <laughs> Simon. Someone, I don't know, I don't know, someone could someone call us, I'll just say something really embarrassing if I come up with something, so I won't, but you know, as I was, I was talking to Gary Barlow or, uh, or um, as, <laughs> as I was talking to so-and-so, um, and we love to name drop, don't we? Do you know, do you, do you know people who, who love to name drop and you just think, oh, they're always saying people. Actually, we all do it a bit, don't we? If we're really honest, we all do it a bit. But who does Jesus say? Who does Jesus say he knows? You and I. I know them. That's who Jesus name drops. He knows you and I. He knows our lives, he knows our hopes, he knows our fears, he knows our weaknesses. He knows us. He knows us better than we know us. And then thirdly, he says, and they follow me. See, what's his response to um, hearing his voice? What's the response to hearing his voice being known by him? They follow me. See, this new relationship results in a new lifestyle. New life, it produces obedience see John 14 15 says this uh, Jesus says if you love me you'll keep my commandments now we have to hear the tone of that we have to hear what Jesus is really saying he's not saying you know like uh, uh, someone might say you know, if you love me you'd do this for me Jesus isn't saying if you really love me you'd keep my commandments he's saying no if you love me what will be the fruit of that you'll keep my commandments if you love me what be the result? Actually, it result in obedience. You'll keep my commandments through love. It's the, it's the overflow. It's the fruit of love. Obedience. See, obedience isn't something that earns us, earns our right into God's family, into God's flock. It's a result of this new relationship that we've been brought into. Do you know And I think for some of us? Hearing his voice has been... Drowned out by doing activity for him. Being busy for him, I just think of what Paul brought about Mary and Martha. You know, sometimes we let being active being being active and busy sometimes we think it's being active and busy for God drowns out hearing his voice, drowns out obedience to him. so we hear his voice what's the second privilege we are given eternal life given eternal life what does this mean what does he mean when he says that i give them eternal life so it's not simply something just for when we die it's something given now this is what 1 john 5 says 1 john 5 11 god has given us eternal life and this life is in his son So, eternal life firstly means enjoying and experiencing true life now. See, when you first receive Jesus, perhaps if you first receive Jesus, you are suddenly brought into a life where eternity matters, where God's kingdom values matter. So, what we do with our lives, how we live our lives, the actions we take, have. Eternal significance. Your actions have eternal significance. It's often illustrated in uh, the story sometimes, perhaps you can hear on Alpha sometimes and in other places, where people will say, do you know, before I became a Christian, my ultimate priority was making as much money as possible. Or it was for me and my family, that was everything that mattered to me. Or it was to be as successful as I could possibly be or it was to have as much fun and pleasure as I could possibly find in life. And then I realised, I realised I wanted something that would last. I needed something that would last. Listen, there's eternal significance to what you do with your life. Now, perhaps you just think, do you know, I just, I just help out on this project, this, whatever project it might be, um, I just help out on this social action project. I just help feed people or just talk to people or whatever. I just do, do you know, no, those actions have eternal significance. Maybe, maybe it's, do you know, I just, when, when people at school are talking about someone and, and really uh, talking bad about them, or maybe at work and everyone just, everyone just hates this person. They always talk bad about them, but I, I try not to and I try to just encourage say encouraging things about them. Do you know, that has eternal significance. There's a permanence now to your and mine actions because we've been given eternal life. But it also means this when he says, I give them eternal life. It means life forever. See, one day, your life will end. One day, my life will end. And we can try and ignore this. We can try and hide away from this. But actually, we can't. And do you know, our response to Jesus directs the destiny of our lives beyond death. So Jesus says here, for those who follow me in this life, they won't perish, but have life forever. It's a gift. I give them it. I give them eternal life. It's not earned. It's not worked for. It's a gift. And uh, this is my... uh, uh, So we've had uh, the hear your voice, the hear his voice. He gives them eternal life. We're given eternal life. And uh, finally, my third and final point, which I'm going to spend a little longer for, um, we're going to camp out here a little longer. Um, You cannot be snatched from him. He says this, doesn't he? They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And then he says, no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. So it's a picture that we're in God's hand. Our lives are in God's hand. He holds us and he has hold of us forever. And uh, it reminds me of Paul's words uh, in Romans 8. This is what Paul says in Romans 8. Uh, he says this, neither death nor life... Angels, nor demons, uh, angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We're secure in Him. See, whatever you're facing, whether it's financial difficulty, whether it's sickness whether it's your asylum status whether it's parenting troubles nothing can snatch you from his hands nothing can separate you from his love but some will say as they read this passage they will say well yeah actually that's true yeah nothing nothing can separate us nothing can snatch him from our hands or no one can take us from his hands but we can take ourselves out, of course. We can take ourselves out, you know. I can choose to turn away from God and, and lose, lose my salvation. I can lose my eternal life. I can choose. I can take myself out. But, but Jesus says, no one. That No one's got to include you and I, too. It must, else Jesus' assurance... Jesus' words are not assurance at all. To say that I can wriggle out of his hand is no assurance at all. See, I know me. I'm guessing you know you. I hope you know you. I have very little faith in me. But I do know Jesus. I have faith in him. And I have faith when he says I'm secure. Hey, I'm secure. See, some might say, yeah, yeah, but the reaction to that will be, uh, well, I can do what I want. The the extreme reaction might be, well, if I'm secure, I can even reject Jesus. I can even do what I like because it doesn't matter. I'm safe and secure forever. I'm sorted forever, so I can just reject him. Listen, don't mess with God. He's no one's fool. I I believe the Bible says we are secure in him forever. But you know, I don't want to mess around with that. I don't want to mess around with a holy God. See, the Bible has no problem with saying this. You're secure in Christ forever. Now, continue in your faith. I think, was it uh, um, Mariam's reading from Jude this morning? It says something like, "Remain remain in God's love. Continue in God's love. Something like that. Just persevere to the end, the Bible says. Don't fall away. See, it's not a contradiction to the Bible. It's not a contradiction to say both those things. Because continuing in faith, actually you're carrying on trusting in Jesus is an indication that there's genuine saving faith in your life. See, maybe there's times where you're just reminded, I just... I'm just reminded I so need Jesus. I so need Jesus in my life. Do you know that's a reminder, an indication. Do you know there's continuing, saving faith in my life? I'm just reminded. There won't be a time where you kind of realise, you know, I'm getting quite good at this Christian thing and I don't need him anymore. <laughs> That'll never happen. It's a reminder there's genuine, faith, saving faith in your life. And then people will have questions like, yeah, but... But um, what about my friend who seemingly turned their back on Jesus? Um, you know, I knew this person, and, and they just kind of turned their back on Jesus. Do, are they saved? Are they, are they not saved? Uh, what, what's the deal with them? So, you know, my advice is this. God knows the heart. And we don't. And your job is not to second guess, not to try and work out. Are they saved? Are they not saved? Were they Actually, it's this. Pray like mad for them that they come back to God. Share every opportunity to display the love of God in your words and in your actions to them. That's your job. Okay, just a few other passages about being secure. We are going to finish soon. This is, uh, turn to, if you've got a Bible, you can turn to 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 3 and 5 3 to 5 but don't worry I'll read it out this is 1 Peter 1 it says this praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. See, if you're a Christian here this morning, your eternal salvation is being shielded, being guarded by God's power. See how it says, if you've got your Bible, it says through faith as well, doesn't it? See, God doesn't guard us totally separate from our faith. Actually, he, he continues us to enable He enables us to continue to believe in him. As you trust Jesus and continue to trust Jesus, you're gaining assurance that God is working in you and guarding you. Okay, here's another Bible passage. Hebrews 7, 25. This is a little shorter. It says this. He, that's Jesus, he's able to save completely those who come to God. Come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Intercede means he's praying on our behalf. Obama says Jesus is praying for you and I. See, if my eternal salvation was based on my prayers, I wouldn't be very assured. But it's based on his. Jesus is praying for you and I. So Jesus here, in his words, he wants them to know this full assurance that we're his, that we're in his hand. So you're in Christ, and you're more secure than you ever know. Because Jesus is secure in the Father, I'm secure in the Father. And there is no more secure place you can be. Listen, the, probably the most secure place in this country Is the Bank of England and the the vault in the Bank of England. Okay? They estimate it's got £156 billion worth of gold. What would Open Door do with that, Paul? (laughs) £156 billion. It's underground, below the streets of London. It's got concrete walls, Um. And they're bomb-proof. People hid in it during World War II because it was safe. I assume just people who worked there, not just anyone. <laughs> there are various keys to get into it and various locks. There's voice recognition to get in. There's other secretive security measures that you and I will probably never know about. But do you know, in Christ, you're even more secure than that? Even more secure. And you might think, well, I don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know how I might mess up tomorrow, next week. I don't know what the difficulties that might come in life and the stresses of, of life. I don't know what that will bring. I don't know if... if, Am I that secure? How can I know I'm secure? See, the Jews were looking for this Judas Maccabeus-style Messiah. This guy who was going to really bring freedom to Israel. But actually, their problem was much, much deeper. Actually, it was the states of their hearts... Before God. And the true Messiah would deal with this. He would deal with the stuff, the wrongs that they had committed against God, the, their hearts that were against God. How can I know I'm secure? How, how can I know it? Where's this? Do you know, the hand that you cannot be snatched from is also the hand. That was nailed to a cross for your sin and for my sin. And at the cross, all that stuff, all that mess, the mess of my life that I had made, that you had made, all that sin was dealt with. Jesus took the penalty by his hands and his feet being nailed to a cross and paying the penalty. For you and for I. He took the full force of that punishment that we deserved on the cross. See, everything I will do, sins that I've done, sins that I will do, he's paid them. He's dealt with them at the cross. Hey, perhaps you're not a Christian here today. Do you know? You can know that the hands that were nailed to a cross for you could be the hands that hold you secure in your life forever. So you can make that decision today. You can make that decision to accept Jesus' death on the cross for you personally today and receive the free gift of life that this Jesus holds out. I want us to pray um, and finish by worshipping Jesus together. I'm going to ask if the band can come up uh, first, if the band can kind of get themselves ready. But I want us to pray. I want us to respond. How do we respond to all this? That we're secure in His hand. We're securing Christ. Do you know? Like I said, if you're perhaps not a Christian here this morning, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, if you don't think you've ever made that decision to follow Jesus. You can know that security today. Perhaps he's speaking to you today. Perhaps here today, you didn't expect to come along and hear the voice of God, the voice of Jesus speaking to you, but you've just been aware, through the worship, through speaking with people, perhaps through my talk, He's speaking to me today. Do you know you can make that decision to accept his death on the cross for you. It's the greatest thing you can do with your life. There'll be many people here that tell you that. Perhaps you are a Christian, perhaps. Do you know, this whole um, idea of being secure in Christ, it's not just a mental thing that helps us get through the day. It's not just something that stays up here. But actually, to know we are secure in Christ, it means it helps us in our relationships perhaps there's relationships that you're struggling with at the moment you know there's relationships in life I just don't know what to do I don't know how to walk through this one with my friend or with this family member or with someone in the church do you know because you are secure in Christ he guides you he helps you and you can know do you know I'm secure in Christ whatever I do however whether I get it right whether I get it wrong he's with me I'm secure in him Perhaps there's difficulties or troubles that you're facing at the moment. Being secure in Christ doesn't mean, well, that just helps me grin and bear it. Actually, it means I can stand under troubles and under difficulties because I know that I'm secure in his hand forever. And there's nothing that can take me out of that. I'm secure in him. I know he loves me. I know he's for me. Perhaps you know there's things, that, new things that God's calling you to. You know there's things in your walk with God that you know he's calling you to. New, new ways of serving him, new um, uh, uh, things in life, new opportunities. New things that God's calling you to. Do you know, being secure in Christ doesn't make us inactive. It makes us very, very active. And it's from being insecure in Christ that we're propelled out into a world. Yeah. To do what he calls us to do. It really does. It really does. And we can know, do you know, I can I can do that thing that he's called me to do. I can take that step that I know he's called me to do because I'm secure in him. Because I'm secure in his love. Because I'm in his hand. And he loves me. Why don't we just pray and then we're going to worship together. Perhaps, Perhaps you just know that. I'm not going to call people out this morning, but... Perhaps you just know, perhaps one of those things. There's relationships you're struggling with, difficulties in life. Perhaps you know God's called you to something and you think, could I really cope with that? Could I really do that? Well, actually, to know that we're in his hands forever. Both brings us peace in all those. But also enables us to follow him in all those Or perhaps you know you're not a Christian and you want to make that decision this morning to be secure in him forever. If one of those, I guess there's four things there, why don't you just put up your hand? Why don't you just raise your hand and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for us. I'm not going to get people to come and pray for you. I'm just going to pray for us. all of us but if you know that's you just put your hand up thank you father thank you we are secure in you thank you your words here say that nothing can snatch us out of your hand Jesus and ultimately we're in the father's hands Too. That we're safe, secure in you. We know we're yours forever. And I pray for us as a church. I pray, empower us. Send your spirit. And he helps us. And he empowers us for these things for relational difficulties, for The troubles of life, the difficulties we think, is God going to see me through this? The answer is yes. He's with you and I. For new things you call us to. Where we think, am I capable of doing that? Would God be with me if I stepped out in that? Thank you, you empower us. Thank you, you're with us. Thank you, you're empowering presence. Changes us and is with us. Thank you. Come, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Come and be present among us. Just allow the Spirit now to speak to you. Speak into your situations. Lord, I pray for anyone here who's not a Christian. That perhaps they've just sensed today, I want to follow him. I want to know this being in his hand. I want to accept his death on the cross for me. And his glorious resurrection. That means death is defeated forever. Lord, I pray, draw them to you. Help to know that you welcome them. With loving arms. It's not, now you've got to do this to earn my love. It's love as a free gift to them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, as we worship, as we finish by worshipping you, let our eyes be fixated on you. (laughs) We know there's not much in us that we can uh, trust in to know we're secure in you, but we know because you say we're secure because of your victory on the cross we are secure forever in your love thank you Lord thank you Lord well let's worship together let's stand